Kawhi alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! Official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. Wipe the champagne out of your eyes and listen up. This is the People's Pitch, the one and only official podcast of your NPSL North champions, Minneapolis City. I am Nate, and I am joined as always by Minneapolis City Sporting Director John Bisworm. John, no metaphors today. Enjoying the trophy as ourselves is what we're doing uh, in this more special morning edition of the People's Pitch. Usually we get together in the evening with a couple of old granddads, but today it's more of, more of a coffee talk. Yeah, I'm really jacked up on caffeine, so I apologize <laughs> early because I have goosebumps every time we talk about the fact that we have a sweet trophy that's heading from New York down to uh, down to Minneapolis, and I am ready to go today, Nate. <laughs> So this week's show is, you know, about what you'd expect, folks. We cover the title-clinching match that was the Duluth FC tilt that was this past Saturday. We have quite a few player interviews that we'll break down after uh, post-match interviews that you conducted, Nate. And we'll discuss the final match of the regular season against Dakota Fusion. And then Nate crunches the numbers for playoff scenarios and, um, and just general NPSL North updates. As well as, we'll talk a little World Cup. Can't can't have a show without some World Cup. Right on, right on. So, John, I'm uh, I'm still buzzing off this win last weekend. Maybe it's the coffee, but let's get the show going. Let's go. So, Minneapolis City welcomes Duluth FC to Carl Tan Field at James D Hansen Stadium, and uh, I think it's John John D Hansen. John, that- calling it. We've been calling it the wrong name, I think, all year. <laughs> there are just so many names out there that humans have. That it's hard to keep track of them all. Oh, that it little is. that little boy from Uruguay is bawling. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we've got the World Cup on in the background, obviously. Uh, the starting lineup for Minneapolis City against Duluth was as follows: Matt Elder uh, in net. We had Abdallah Ba, Miles Norville, Max Kent, and Aaron Olson as our back line. Midfield anchored by Steve and Max Stegwart with Tim Wills at the number ten, which is an interesting change that we'll talk about. And then our top three uh, forwards were Will, Justin Oliver making his uh, Minneapolis City first Minneapolis City start, and Nick Hutton. Now on the bench we had James, Siku, Nick Hines, um, Ibsa, Josh, uh, Juan Luis, and Mark Haight. So our formation, John, looked a little more of like a 4-2-3-1, but today more of a 4-3-3, I would say, because I think... Will, Hutton, and Oliver were all up there forward and quite free roaming. Um, Timmy parked at the 10 was nice because it let him make some runs, find some space, open up space really for everyone else, and set up some plays. 
Sure. I mean, it, it definitely was more of an attacking-minded formation for us because we knew we needed to score goals against Duluth. So it was it was very much let's let's get the let's get the sprinters up top and let's see what we can do. Yeah, Duluth came at us with what looked like a four-five-one. Felt like something new after seeing so many uh, three-five-twos over the course of the season. Absolutely. I think on a tactical note, we we talked many times about how when it comes to game planning it's it our conference lacked that where it was a lot more of a, of the case where teams were really just continuing to play their same style and their same players in the same spots where we like to vary things up depending upon what opponents do throw at us uh, historically throw at us yeah but I thought that this this particular match our Duluth actually made attack a couple tactical switches uh, to play against us. They still had the same playing style when they won the ball, but defensively, for some reason, I don't under- understand what Coach Pearsons was thinking. They actually man-marked our number six and our number eight. So they had Corcoran and Castro con- con- continuously following on the defensive side of the ball, Max and Steve. And I've been around soccer quite a bit, Nate, and I've never seen two defensive center midfield players ever be man-marked, and (laughs) I don't know what they were thinking because they had to not have watched us play (laughs) because what that did was it it played right into our favor of having Timmy, who's more of a control-first, pass-first player, in the number 10 spot with acres of space. Yeah. What that... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and then we'll, we see the benefits of that in a couple of the goals when Tim finds his space and is able to kind of do whatever he wants with the ball. Right. I mean, he had so much time on the ball, and that afforded us to do what we do best, and that's pick up passes to our attacking players. So with us having a formation and a tactical change to get more guys in the offensive third, they decided to give us that space, and we, we, we did what we do best, and we picked it apart. So early in the game, John, I think Justin's uh, Justin Oliver's NPSL history served him well. He was really ready for the the Duluth of last year and their shit style. <laughs> and he started the game, it looked like, just fucking with dudes. Like, I don't know if you noticed some of this stuff. I did notice. <laughs> I, had to go, I, did. I, I had to go back and watch the tape. But for instance, because this, this particular part stuck out to me. So for instance, around eight minutes, when this gets posted on YouTube, you, everyone should check it out. Um, while a Duluth player is coming over for the throw-in and Justin, Justin's kind of just hanging out uh, by the touchline, he casually kind of just like rolls the ball away from from the touchline. And so Wakabayashi <laughs> comes over like there's no ball there anymore and he has to get it from the ball kid. Like no point to that for Justin. And then as he starts to throw in, Justin does this thing like with his hand on his head, like makes a face at Wakabayashi and like just messing with them. Um, anyway, all that stuff is totally great. I think throughout the course of the game, he knew the buttons to push for Duluth, and he was looking for. Oh, he uh, totally. Did. He was looking to instigate, which is something that you uh, you tend to do against that team, especially last year when you knew they could go off and uh, and get carded fairly early. Well, there was also a couple times too where he was called for for some some over aggressive play fouls, and he would you know roll the ball away from them so they couldn't start start the attack. Exactly. Exactly. Restart and just and you know and like. You know, just just the, the little things that, that got under their skin and required them to maybe go into challenges a little bit 
earlier with him out of frustration where he was able to then get around players because he was expecting it. So I think you're right. I think, you know, the mental side of the, of the game there was, uh, was top notch for Mr. Oliver in his first start. <laughs> So both teams early, I think, were looking to build up and attack. Elder was called into action in the 10th minute. He makes an easy save. And then on the subsequent city possession, it looks like Hutton was set loose, but fouled hard from behind, and there was no card issued. Did you see the same thing? Should there have been a card? Yeah, so I was on the call again with Nordo up in the booth and uh, trying to be as unbiased as possible, which was really tough for me in that game. Um, but I did see that, and when, when it does become available to watch on the YouTube channel, um, you, you'll hear my response on, on there, but I'll, I'll reiterate it now. And I basically said that I, I did believe that was a goal-scoring opportunity, and you know, it, Hutton was really just a, another touch away from a shot on goal or a pass to some on streaking win- wingers. Yeah. Um, in Will and Justin, and I thought that the referee did the right right job of making the call. I do think a card was warranted there, but it was early on, so he let that one go. And then you saw later on in the half where Miles Norville brought down Kyle Farrar in a very similar fashion, and also no card given. So it was it was the makeup call for that and then that was the this is the last time for both of both sides and next one's going to be card. And we did see a card come for Trier who was the guy who brought Nate down um, later on in the in the second half for something very similar. So I thought it was a good job by the referees. All right, all right. So for the rest of the first half of the first half, uh, <laughs> City felt content. <laughs> City felt content to possess and they invited a little bit of pressure. Uh, to make room for our front front three and make room on the counter. And Duluth, on the other hand, was working the wings, looking to cross into their big man, Farrar, or maybe get a shot off a distance. But also, now that you mention it with that, with your tactical adjustment that Duluth had made, maybe maybe we were content to possess because they had a, they were marking our defensive midfielders. Like we could just kind of kick the ball back and forth and let them kind of come forward and make a mistake and get behind them. Well, when they won the ball, there was no support for Ferrar or Joe Watt or Liam Moore on the wings no. because they were so stretched centrally. Yeah. So they had they they we, they played right into our defensive strengths, which is absorbing the long ball. So we were we were positioned well to have you know four or five guys behind the ball when when we lost it. So there were so many times where Ferrar was alone, and you know you know he likes to hold up. He's not going to turn and beat you with speed. Mm-mm. Where. You know, if they had a faster attacker up top, they maybe could have broken us down. But everything went into a long ball or an isolated uh, winger one on two on the outside. So we we completely had it covered. Yeah. So that counter that we were trying to play into was real. At 20 minutes, uh, Oliver and Hutton were both on their way forward. Oliver plays Hutton in. And again, Hutton was fouled. Sora checks him in the box. Sora Wakabayashi checks him in the box. Again, no call. Um Another iffy one from the guy on the from yellow team yellow on the field. Uh, Twenty three minutes in, we get a bad pass from Steve, intercepted by a Duluth player, and Elder makes an amazing kick save to keep it scoreless. Um, really nice reaction save and really nice response to what was kind of a lapse in concentration from our midfielder. And then at twenty nine, Elder is in action again, and I'll and I'll bring this up. There's a reason I keep coming back to. Uh, what Matt was doing in this game, but Elder in action again at 29 minutes, this time from long range, uh, a Castro shot. And for, I think for more of the first half, John, most of the Duluth shots and most of their attack was coming from that right, right center area. That's the Liam Moore side. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why or what they were seeing there, but that's kind of where everything was running through and where they're, what 
past for danger was coming from. But finally, after 34 plus minutes, it starts to open up for us as Tim Wills gets a great shot off. And on the ensuing restart, our midfield disrupts the uh, the play. Max Stegert lays off to Abdallah Ba, who rips a Galazzo from super long range. And it is one to nothing. If you haven't seen this thing on the internet yet, you need to check it out. If you haven't seen it, I've watched it for you. I've seen it. I've watched it so many times. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we'll talk to Abdallah about it in a little bit and get his reaction on it. But I thought, you know, that's what Abdallah has been working on. And he and he notes it when we talk to him in, in training, that, that cut in and that long distance shot. And I think the the way that that opened up was, a fir- first off, a, a diagonal run that, that – um, that Nick Hutton made to clear out the one central defender. And then the second off the ball run that, that Tim Wills made that completely opened up the gap for him to, to put his head down and hit yep. that shot. And like Hoffner, I think, I don't know why they don't, they don't go with uh Greensall, who was their goalkeeper last year. I think he's the better option for them in net because Hoffner is just wildly like all over the place. And he was so out of position that that dipping shot just made him look bad. And it was like you said, a golazo and one, nothing to the good guys. Yeah, man. And then just a couple minutes later, Ba back again, looking dangerous on a run into the box. And once again, a city player is brought down with no call made in this game. Even John, the ref evaluator up in the box, didn't like the look of that. I mean, it it's one of those, you know, decision plays for the ref where, you know, it you could you could give the, the penalty there. I actually like the fact that it wasn't called because it opens the game up and allows players to play hard. Yeah. And for, for both sides. If you if you start to, to only give that call one way. And, and then it happens again. We look at what happened to us against Twin Stars where there were so many fouls by the Twin Stars that a, a phantom foul by a guy running into the back of Trey Benhart is then called. So I think that allowing them to play physical and, and no one was going into challenges dangerously, which was very untypical of a matchup between these two teams, I thought that the ref was letting some things go. And I, I'm okay with that one because – one fact is we're already up one nothing, and two, it allows the game to, to kind of play itself rather than having it dictated and continually stopped by fouls. Yeah, I like that. I like that evaluation. So as the Thank first you. half wound down, the game had opened up quite a bit, and we capitalized. In the 42nd minute, a real long ball is served up to Justin Oliver, who shoulders past two defenders and decides to just shoot while he can, shoot while he's got space. And that shot was low. Um, and it was off both hands of the Duluth goalkeeper, number 44. What did you Hoffler? Hoffelner? Hoffelner. It's hard Hoffelner. to say his name. There's a lot of O's and E's in there. Um, yeah. And that, just right off his hands and right past him into the net. Again, not a good showing for Hoffelner on Saturday, and this was a prime example of it. Well, it was a dipping shot, and it bounced before him. But I thought that he was completely out of caught out of position. He had his hands he, on it too. I mean, it just went. Yeah, I mean, it, it dipped and it bounced in front of him, which is tough. But all he had to do was just get a hand on it, yeah. and, and it would have pushed it aside. It wasn't. It didn't come with pace, so it just it just that that weird hop. But I thought that leading up to that that goal, there was probably three other chances, uh, and I noted it on the on the call of the game that you'd like to see Justin Oliver with with his his goal scoring background 
take more chances rather than that final pass. And this was the instance where he actually did. And I think that as we move into the the rest of the games this season, y- you need Justin to to think shoot first more than pass first when we get into the offensive third. Yeah, I think some of that might have been just him kind of feeling his way into the game and, uh, and into mm-hmm. the kind of how he's going to slide into this team. And over the course of, you know, 35, 40 minutes, he decides, ah, I can shoot. Here we go. <laughs> Let's talk. And we're glad he did. Yeah, no kidding. Let's talk about this crazy run of play that led to the PK that ended the half, John. Um, so, like you mentioned already, Kyle Farrar was fouled from behind, um, similarly to how Hutton was fouled. Bo- uh, no card was issued, right? Which is fine. Um, and he takes the free kick from thirty-five. Now that thing is headed headed out, headed clear. But Sora Wakabayashi puts the ball back into the box on the volley and it elder looks like he's about he's gonna have it but the ball drops like right through his hands and uh and right at Ferrar's feet who is then tackled uh from behind in the box a yellow card given to max kent and a penalty kick awarded to duluth not the kind of thing you want to see to close out the half however matt elder steps up to the spot and uh, and saves that PK. He goes to his right, to the shooter's left, and uh, and he saves it. I mean, it's yeah. amazing momentum builder <laughs> moving into the half. And and it reminded me that he had already saved a penalty against Duluth. He did it. Uh, he did it last year. Yep. I had forgotten all about that until I saw until I saw it. It was a little bit of deja vu. I think the main thing is Matt's got to come off of his line there and explode anything in either color shirt in front of him to get that ball. Cause he called off the defender Yep. and he let the ball bounce right in front of him. And with a half step forward, he collects that and none of this happens. Yep. So I think that the only way to clean up your mistake then is to save the penalty. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did. <laughs> he totally so, redeemed himself. Yeah. He, he traded the, the mutt cuts van straight up. <laughs> <laughs> So in the first, so you go into the locker room in the first half, up to nothing. The championship within your grasp. What do you talk about with the team if you're Adam Pribble? The first thing you talk about is forget everything that happened in the first half. Like forget it all, and you're 45 minutes away from accomplishing your goal, and that's winning the title. And there is nothing more demoralizing for Duluth than being down to nothing, and then missing a penalty right at the death before the half. If they if they make that, the game's in a totally different spot. So you forget everything that happened in the first half, you recollect yourself, and you keep the pedal down. And we saw that there was a little bit of a hiccup in the second half, but um, you just you, you just keep your guys focused on the prize, and that's the only thing that you can do at that point. Yeah. So the second half started fast and furious uh, because I had to go pee. And in the span of time, <laughs> Liam Moore scores. So I had to look at the tape. After some pressure in in, uh, in the midfield, one possession. So this might have been one of the only times that their uh, their man on to our defensive mid really disrupted our play. But some pressure in the midfield wins possession for Duluth, and a really nice ball from Duluth number eight Castro finds Liam I Moore. I thought he played. I thought he played fantastic against us. Castro or Liam Moore? Yeah, Castro. Yeah, I thought he, he was. I mean, he was always on the ball. He was making good decisions. And, um, and you know, when, when he would win a ball, he was looking to drive forward versus trying to just play the long ball into Ferrar. So looking for that link-up play, I thought he was by far their best player 
uh, on the field on Saturday. So he finds Liam Moore running right, um, who then shoots back across his body, and it rolls just inside the left post, basically the only place Elder couldn't reach it. Probably he had a hand's worth of space between between his outstretched arm and, and the post, and that ball just rolled right in. So it's 2-1, and oh shit, like it's... We're back to uh, we're back to uh, puckering up here, John. Yeah, it was squeaky bum time at that squeaky point. Squeaky bum but, time. But I thought even though that that goal happened, I thought our defense was positioned well. And yeah. I get I give the credit more to Liam Moore on creating something out of out of almost nothing. There. Absolutely. Like he 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 didn't he didn't have a one v one where he turned a defender and and then you know and then had a a clear clear goal scoring chance he he made a nice play to collect the pass from castro cut in and and our defense was there he just put it the like he said the only place where he could put it and you know now we're back to great (laughs) they're they're known for coming back on teams and and here it is again yep especially especially at the death like even if you think you got this thing in the bag and you can never be sure when it's duluth but we came we came roaring back man like tim wills like you said, able to find a ton of space, and in this instance, he does. Tim Will's finding a ton of space in the midfield. Uh, he saw that, and this is in the 51st minute, he sees that, what, three defenders are clustering around Justin Oliver, who's kind of hanging out centrally. So he sends the ball to his right up to Nick Hutton, who's running who's running up the, up the side. So those defenders, then they peel off a little bit, and Hutton <laughs> sends the ball right back across the net. Uh, to to Justin Oliver who goes right into the upper netting with it, it's three to one, and I'm now back to feeling super comfortable. It was definitely a roller coaster for me up <laughs> up in the booth. I don't know about you. It, well, of course it was. <laughs> it was I was all over the place emotionally at that point. But I think that the the key to this play, outside of the fact that Tim Wills did a fantastic job of uh, recognizing his space and then and turning in the middle and then and then driving forward and making the right pass to Hutton. But I think what you have to think about there is the 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 players kind of adjusting their their positions to letting you know to attacking what the defense is giving them. So you see Hutton who was starting at the number nine up top moving out wide. And then it was Justin, Justin's turn uh, up top, you know, or we saw uh, a few plays pre, uh, prior to that where Will Kidd was the, the most advanced player and, and Oliver and Hutton were, were on the wing. So really not letting Duluth, you know, be comfortable and in, in seeing the same guy with the same attributes in a single position, but varying it up so that they were they were caught in their back heels. And especially with Oliver and Hutton, like they're both very comfortable no matter where they go up top, whether it's at the striker or at the wings. I think even and Will. And same with Will. Even Will, you know, we've played him at striker a couple times, but really it's as a winger that he's able to make those cuts and those dangerous runs, but it doesn't really matter because they're both, if they're all moving all over the place, they're making space for each other and they're making those runs. It's It, it looked really good. It looked really good, John. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so this is when the subs start to come in. As both coaches are trying to revitalize tired legs, make the most of matchups, and really push either for the victory or um, or to hold on. And the first one was at 53 minutes. It's curious that number 22, Tom Corcoran, comes off so early, and he did not look happy. 
No, and I talked to him after the game because, you know, we have a relationship with Tom and, and he was very perplexed by why he came off. And I, I disagree with that that change. If I'm if I'm Duluth, your your best deep lying um, midfield option when you have the ball is now taken off and you you lose the ability of his strength, which is finding that pocket of space diagonally in behind the defense, which he was doing in the first half. So you wonder, you know, mm-hmm. you then move Joe Watt into the middle and you bring on a, another attacking option out wide, but Joe Watt's strengths are 1v1, where that would maybe be more beneficial on a wing than being deep lying and, and then trying to find, trying to, you know, eliminate that huge gap behind Farrar. So I thought... Tactically, that was a really bad move uh, for them, and and we benefited from it. Yeah, I mean, Corgan comes off the field, just takes his shoes off, takes his shirt off, just starts lounging on the on the turf, like definitely checked out of that game. He's, yeah, the body language was not positive. No, for, not at for all. Yeah, and I don't, you know, you, you can't blame him. You can't blame him. But his replacement does get lucky in the 68th minute. He sends a flyer into the box that is deflected by I think Abdallah, and it ends up popping into the net and now it's three to two so like at this point is this going to happen again is Duluth it's like like the roller coaster is in full effect here and we are on the way down right and I thought at honestly at this point I was less worried about what was happening um in the game and and less worried about them coming back at that point because I felt that they exhausted all of their energy um, throwing guys forward mm-hmm. that they were starting to expose themselves at the back and and we'll we'll see what happened with with that um, in a little bit here when we cover it but they were now starting to stretch themselves even further where they were bypassing the midfield completely and it was everything up top so what I was thinking is then that that feeds into us being able to kill the game out by inserting some more possession first midfielders which is what we did absolutely and and it 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 puts them on a further back heel now having three players back and having us having three players attacking at all times that if you get a possession first midfielder put in there um, to, to kind of take, maybe take away that number 10 and, and adding in, you know, like a, we'll, we'll see who we, we added in, but that gave us more opportunity to, to keep the ball when they lost it. And then they were just chasing back and forth. Uh, after long balls. Yeah. So for the next 15 minutes, John, both teams were using every sub at their disposal. We added in uh, Josh De La Rosa for Justin Oliver. Chuck came on for Max Stiegwert. So Chuck comes on as a midfielder for the second or third time this season, which I really like. Uh, Juan what a luxury, Lu- right? Yeah, I know, right? Juan Luis, Juan Luis comes in for Tim. Um, uh, Ibsa for Steve. So like you said, we're putting in these more like between Chuck Ibsa, even Juan Luis, putting in these more possession-based midfielders, they're going to be able to uh, help us keep the ball and, and move it forward behind their uh, behind their press. We end up putting uh, Mark Haight in for Abdallah Ba and Siku, finally, for Nick Hutton. And those subs delivered, man. All Siku and Juan Luis were holding possession in uh, the Duluth corner. By eighty, by the eighty fifth minute, all I was thinking about was like, just kill this game, right? Like yeah. three to two, just kill it, and that's how we got our fourth goal. Like Siku and and Juan had the possession in that corner, as you're taught to do when you're up, with uh, with time winding down, and somehow Siku finds himself free with space to play the ball centrally. The ball kind of squirts out a little bit. Juan is pinned. Juan's pinned in the corner. He's able to kind of backheel it or squirt it out to Siku, who's then kind of alone. 
and he plays the ball centrally to Will Kidd, who was all alone at the top of the box. And Will was clinical with that finish, and the score was now 4-2 to two in the 87th minute. We had this locked up, and Duluth knew it. You could just tell. Right, and I think that goal doesn't come if Duluth doesn't make their tactical substitution of removing a deep-lying midfielder to, for a more offensive threat because there was acres of space. There was nobody you know, there for... I mean, Will was, Kidd was, could have did a little dance before he shot that ball. Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, you you look at... Um, I, the first thing I'd like to point out is how much has Juan Luis grown since the last time we played Duluth, which was his first match yeah. with, with City? Like, how... like. Being 19 years old and, you know, he was the Gatorade National Player of the Year in high school before he went off to Drake where he saw limited action in his first year there. Um, but when he first came in, very tentative, always looking to kind of shoot from distance because he didn't trust himself on the dribble or trust himself to make those passes because defenders close down quicker at this level than in college. But now you look at him towards the end of the season and his growth and his his ability is starting to to really fall into the comfort zone where he can be the guy holding up in a corner, you know, against bigger defenders and keep the ball. But then when he needs to, you know, pop it out to Siku, who then obviously found Will Kidd. And I am very happy at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, what more can you say about this game? Like, I think in the in at the end, it was a perfect example of exactly how different Differently, this Minneapolis team has come together this year, how everyone bought in and how the results fell perfectly from that. Yeah, I mean, you can't really say anything more than that. I mean, it was it was a masterclass in not only execution, but tactical game planning again, where we knew what they were going to throw at us. We countered it the right way. And, you know, outside of, you know, a deflection goal and then one well-deserved finish by Liam Moore, there was nothing else that was scary. I mean, the penalty was obviously scary, but that happened in the first half. And like I said, you go into the halftime and you forget about all that stuff in the first half and you really just stick to your game plan. And I thought that, again, it talks to our depth that, you know, you bring on these other players and, you know, in years past, we go to our bench and we're worried about the fact that there's a drop off. And now it's like you put in a like for like sub and they might even elevate higher than the guy who they took off. So, uh, you know, Hats off to to the staff and the players for continuing to elevate their game even in the dying moments of this. And and last year, like I said, we don't we don't kill that game off. We we keep Duluth in it just by our our, our general run of play. But this year, it's it's a different city. <laughs> what it also drove home for me, John, was how different Duluth looks this year. Like I was, especially this game, I was expecting some more physicality out of them with so much on the line, but they really stuck to their game plan, which relied way too much on play through the wings and kind of hung Ferrar out to dry. They subbed Corcoran off early, totally passed on Morgan um, for the whole day. Is is this British? Well, he wasn't even, he wasn't he wasn't even there. there. Yep. Is this yeah. British empire collapsing up there in Duluth? I think it's well. I mean, yes. I, I guess to answer your question simply, yes. I I think the the main thing was, you know, talk all you want about Kyle Backus as a as a coach, and you know we've talked about how maybe he lacks some of the X's and O's that you know knowledge that some of the other coaches in our division have. Um, but he really let the players do what they do best, and that was uh, like 
uh, an unshackled approach to games, you know, and, and that, that brotherhood that we talk about, they had that last year. This year, they look super disjointed. The guys that were on the team last year look like they don't want to play with the guys that they brought in. And it's, it's kind of all over the place. And yeah, they've been able to, you know, rattle off five wins before they played us, but they, they just don't look like the same team. And, and you wonder, is it a, is it a, a sense of, the new coach coming in trying to put his stamp on it and and have his style of play with the players he has or is it a, a case of the 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 old guard not wanting to to play for uh, for that style you, you really don't know what it is but it's not working yeah. and they have a fight tonight against med city that's on the rise that could knock them out of the playoffs yeah i mean i think here's the deal is Really, the only he, like you said, Mets or uh, Duluth has had success this season. They won five coming in, but really, where they have to separate themselves are games against teams like us. And we were, I mean, every time we'd play Duluth, you're worried about it. And maybe part of this has to do with us coming off of a, a pretty solid victory. But I'm just not that afraid of them anymore. Like I was last year when you knew they were coming at us in a really physical, sometimes almost dirty way, that made that made the game at least super competitive. Well, I think they figured out that like, you can't kick us out of the game anymore. You know, like yeah. last year you, you focus on, on eliminating our most dangerous attacking threat in goose. And they did that. And this year it, it say you kick out, you know, Hutton out of the game or you kick out Will Kidd out of the game. We're just going to put in Josh De La Rosa, Justin Oliver, you know, we're, you know, Siku, Juan Luis, like, Go ahead, kick us out. We we're not afraid of that anymore, and and we're not gonna play into that. We're just gonna we're just gonna level up, and yeah. we're gonna keep keep taking it at you. And it, it expels more of their energy doing that, which I, I give them credit for. That they, they last year they're they're more worried about all the off the ball stuff, and this year they they realize that you know it they actually look better when they when they put the ball down and play, and they're winning games that way instead of the old way. And, you know, it's not as successful if you look at the table for them, but they, they did have a run of success going up to this game, which was a must-win game for them, and they ran into the buzzsaw. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, John, man of the match, who you got? Um, You know, this I don't know if necessarily this is one that people are thinking of. I, I give man of the match uh, honors to Aaron Olsen. I thought that... Joe Watt is really their most dangerous player and they faced each other multiple times. And I thought that Mm -hmm. um, he equalized that side of the field to the point where they didn't even look for it anymore. And they were all, they're going over to the other side. And what that did was it allowed us to focus when the ball did go into Joe Watt in a, uh, a one V one match that we were willing to, um, to not provide extra help for because he was locking him down. And it really made them one dimensional where we could then shift up the rest of our defense over to stop that attack. And I think that it, it also compounded the fact that Kyle Farrar was then equalized by miles and max. And, you know, um, you know, on the opposite side, Abdallah was doing his thing against Liam Moore. Um, you know, Will kids tracking back on that side or Justin Oliver was tracking back on that side. And, um, you don't there's no more danger there and i think that all started with ao's ability to win his 1v1 battles against uh joe watt a deep cut but i uh, i respect it i respect it <laughs> going in the back catalog for that one yep i've got i've got elder i think huge save obviously of the penalty kick the two goals that he did allow in were very unlucky and like you said that first one was put exactly where it needed to be through traffic um really great individual play um 
so if anyone deserves this win, and I think the championship, it's him. What he's what he's uh you know stuck with the team through over the last three years, kind of ups and downs of both his performance and the team through injury and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you know Matt Elder gets the game ball for me. I think great game for him, uh, great victory for him. I definitely don't disagree with you on that on that take. I think you could really give it to anyone. I mean, yeah. you could even yeah, get- that's the team was so good. Yeah, I've watched the game. I've watched the game a handful of times over again just to see like what you know for for tactical purposes for us as we move into the playoffs, like what matchups work well for us. And I, there was no one instance. I mean, even you look at a couple a couple errant passes from Steve. We we were still able to equalize those. Um, but we just played such good soccer on both sides of the ball that you you could give it to anyone. You give it to Juan Luis for his play you could give it to um you know justin oliver for scoring two goals give it to timmy you give it to anybody that's that's a <laughs> that's a good problem to have i suppose huh right great problem to have yep. so we were well, you know while i was giving motivational speeches and being doused with summits in the locker room nate you were able to catch up with a few of the players um and get their reaction on the win as well as uh coach pribble so why don't we uh first start off with uh, Abdallah Ba, you know, the Abdallah Ba of the 25-yard screamer uh, that was our first goal, which, I, like I said, I still love watching that one. Like, every now and then I'll just open up Twitter and watch the watch the replay of that just so I get to see it again. Absolutely. I'm here with Abdallah Ba. Abdallah, three years with the club. Finally, we're at the top of a, of a league, NPSL North Championship. How does this feel for you? Uh, ha- watching the team grow and being there and being a pivotal part of yeah. the victory tonight. Oh man, it feels amazing, honestly. It's from big- being there from the start and just seeing how we've developed, and that's that's what it's been all about. Like with uh, just with the fans that have been with us since day one, and just that. That's what just making progress, and we've made progress every season. And just to top it off like this, it just shows where we come from. It's been just uh, so much. Uh, your goal in the first half can be best described as a screamer. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's good to see you be able to rip something from that from that long distance. Talk to us a little bit about uh, what you saw and your decision going into going into taking that shot. Um, honestly, it felt like it was amazing because before that, before that happened, there was another chance where something like that kind of happened and I just ended up playing it off. But after that, and I kind of realized that one of the defenders wasn't really gonna be able to keep up with the run made by Nick. That just opened up so much more space in the middle for me to be able to do that. So that was all down to that run, really. How many yards out you think that came from? 25, 30 yards out? I would say 25, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's like a tra- that's like a goal from training, man. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah, no, I've been actually I've been working on those at training. Uh, so just uh, being able to execute it like that is just all it comes down to the, just training and working on it. Uh, right after that, you got pulled down in the box. Yeah, Did yeah. that feel like it, would, it should have been a PK? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll tell you, the the ref, the boss of the refs or whatever, the evaluator, yeah. was up there in the booth with us. And when that happened and there was no call, yeah. even he said, like, oh, hey! <laughs> yeah. like, he needed it to happen. Yeah, no, it, it, it felt like that because the guy didn't make any contact with the ball at all. And, yeah, no, it just felt like I, I, I had to go down as well, too, just to kind of... Make your point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dangerous on the attack tonight, Abdallah. Uh, is that something that, that we haven't seen a lot of you until like late in the season? Yep. Uh, I'm sure that now the momentum is building. We'll see. A, we'll see you well into the postseason. Is this a dangerous attack? Something that we can hope to hope to see out of your game? Yeah, definitely. I would say so. Especially like uh, feeling. I'm feeling a lot more better. I'm feeling healthier. My body's feeling good. So that definitely had a lot to do with it. And 
just being able to just play again just feels just it just feels so good. So, you know. Excellent. All right, Abdallah Ba, thank you so much. Go celebrate, man. NPSL North you. champion. Yo, thank you. <laughs> I think Abdallah brings up a couple good points here. I think that the first thing is is he's finally healthy. Like, you know, he kind of came in, had a had a groin problem that, that kind of lingered, and you know, David Bloomquist from TCO did a fantastic job of of getting him, you know, ready to to get back on the field. But, you know, he was in our first year all league in the PLA and I think he's back to playing at that high level again. And and a couple things kind of compound that. I think his recognition of what he's given uh, in the offensive third, being a wingback was exactly what, you know, contributed to him taking a flyer on not only the, the opportunity to make the run where he was brought down, which we talked about maybe being questionable, um, but also just seeing the what his, his teammates are doing and Nick making that run and then Tim making the subsequent run to open up a shot for him and, and him being able to take it. And then, you know, practice makes perfect. He, he noted he's been trying that stuff in, in training. And it, it also speaks to the fact that, you know, this year's training has been – uh, you know, leveled up and more consistent and players are able to work on more things like outside wingers, wingbacks shooting from distance and, and it paid off. Yeah. I mean, I just think that it's uh it's great to have wingbacks, fullbacks, however you want to, however you want to put them on the field that have that confidence to shoot uh, from distance because you never know what's going to happen. You never know if it's going to go in and we've scored a l- number of really decent long range goals this year. So that's always super exciting to see. And it adds a a level of um, danger and dynamism to our, to our play that I think other teams can't contend with. You can't plan for that. You can't plan for that. Nope. Um, So off of his brace in his first start, we, uh, we catch up next with uh, new boy, Justin Oliver. Uh, First start for Minneapolis city after joining the team, what, four weeks ago, Uh, two goals scored tonight. Amazing showing. Talk to me a little bit about how easy it is to slide into this Minneapolis City offense and produce immediately. No, it was super easy. I really enjoy playing with people like Nick Hutton and Will Kidd. They're super, super selfless people. We play super similar. We had a lot of interchange going around up top. We were looking to find places where all three of us would be the most successful. And then about like 20 minutes into the game, me and Nick just made like a little change where Nick went out wide and I came into the center. And then he and Will just started just tearing people apart on the wings. And I was just looking to play off people's back shoulders and they were finding me. I took a couple heavy touches when I probably should have been a little bit more technical and clinical with the ball. But then uh, I kind of paid off uh, late in the first half. I checked in and Max Kent saw it and he played it over. And I took a left time volley. It was kind of fortunate it hit off the keeper's hands and went in. But then uh, second half, uh, the goal came. Tim found a nice pocket of space and started driving in. I peeked over my right shoulder, and I saw Nick was in that space. I was like, Nick's been tearing this guy apart all game. I'm making a diagonal run. I made a run across the field. He played it to Nick, and I just kind of continued my run back across. And Nick just played a phenomenal ball right behind the back line across the six. And all I had left to do was just to tap it in. It was super easy. So you've you've played with Will against Max Kent uh, in the – Again, for St. Thomas, Max, for, of course, for McAllister. Uh, how how great has that familiarity with some of these players on the team been for you in this adjustment period? No, it's been super nice. I played against a majority of them last year when I was with Twin Stars, and I played, oh, against, some, true. I played against some of them in men's league. So I, I'm very familiar with everybody. I've 
I've always like been on the outside, kind of looking in at them because, like, I mean, people want to want to be city. Like, everybody brings their best game when they play city. So now, when I kind of like was able to leave my PDL team and come here, I was like looking for a place to play. And the first people I reached out to was Will. I texted him. I was like, Hey, want to ask Adam if he did have any interest in bringing me in? And then so then. Adam brought me out to trainings a couple couple of weeks ago, and he's like, yeah, we'd like to have you. And I was like, I'd, I'd love to be a part of the group. You guys are killing it. I just want to contribute in any way I can and help bring a championship to you guys. All right, Justin Oliver, great brace tonight, man. Welcome to the team. Happy to have you. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, John. So obviously Justin uh, was a little keyed up after that victory, talking real fast, <laughs> real excited. Yeah. Um, I yeah, like coffee, his morning coffee. I, yeah, I liked a lot of his. I liked a lot of his descriptions too. The way he thinks of the game, that like it's he's so confident. You know, some of the ways he was talking about, like we were just tearing him up, and this guy is, you know, just like <laughs> the excitement that he has, and the you know, just for good soccer and the ability to score and make great plays is really cool to me. Um, but one thing I do want to point out is. He, he did kind of make that point that everyone, you know, he's played with everyone, either with them or against them. He's super familiar with everyone. So it's easy for him to show up and and start to contribute. And we saw that today. I think so. I, I mean, all good points by Justin. And I think what a luxury to add a guy like him to your roster. You know, I mean, you have you have Whitney Brown go down and it's it's very serendipitous of the stars aligning that he leaves his PDL team and then he's looking for someone to, to, to play with. And, and he chooses to come to us first. And he, he noted that he didn't choose to go back to the Twin Stars. And I, I think that also he, he mentioned the switching of positions and really, you know, identifying key moments tactically that, that were were things that the coaching staff didn't tell him to do or didn't tell Nick Hutton or Will Kidd to do. And they were interchanging on their own. I think that's fantastic. And it's something that is dangerous for us when we get into the playoffs. And then finally, uh, it, it just seems like a different Oliver in, in city colors, you know, there's been, you know, we, we know what he can do, uh, you know, from when he played against us with Twin Stars, but it just seems like he has a little bit more of a, a pep in his step yeah, by, yeah. Uh, by, by joining us. And in the past, he might have been a guy who was like, you know, give me the ball. You know, I want it all the time. I'm going to take this over myself. Where with us, he recognizes, you know, that he doesn't have to do that. He just has to play, you know, give what the defense, give, uh, take what the defense gives him and, and look to work around the players that um, we have. And, and it will only excel his strengths. And you, you saw him score two goals and probably could have had maybe three or four if he would have, you know, thought that shoot first mentality, but definitely think that this is more the Justin Oliver you saw at, at St. Thomas and not the Justin Oliver you saw on other MPSL teams. Yeah. You can definitely tell that he's excited to play with, with the guys on our team, just by the way he describes how they act on the field, um, mm -hmm. how he describes how they set him up. And, and of course, like I said, super confident in the way he describes his own play. One thing that also impressed me real quick is his memory. Like he's able to just break down every time he touched the ball, every time he scored kind of like well, a second by second. <laughs> exactly. Like you got to replay it over and over again. Um, so that's pretty cool. Now, so go ahead, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, you know, <clears throat> off from the new guy and onto the guy that's been on the team since uh, day one. Yes, so it, it would not be a championship show if we didn't talk to the backstop, Matt Elder, the city stalwart that's been with us since the beginning. So let's have a listen to, to what Matt said. All right, just a few quick questions for city goalkeeper Matt Elder. Matt, it's been three years and we are the champions of the NPSL North. 
you've been with the team since the beginning. What does this mean to you personally? It's good. I mean, it, it felt like we were going to win it the first year with the guys we had, and then we didn't. And it felt like we were going to win it last year with the guys we had, and we didn't. And this year, I don't know if there was ever a question. I mean, you know, we had a tough start in Sioux Falls, um, but we got some guys back. We got some guys healthy. We're a deep team, and everybody played their role. What's, uh, what's the big difference for you between year one, year two, year three, we were able to deliver this year? Everybody's bought in. I mean, that's, that's the main difference. It's the end of the season. Uh, it gets tough. We have injuries. We have guys that are starting to get burnt out, um, and it didn't show. We still get numbers up to training. The 23s helped because um, that showed up another 20 guys that pushed, pushed us. Um, so tra- training was really good. The coaching staff, the management stepped up big time, and everyone was bought in from day one, and we're still rolling. So something we, that I was trying to wrap my head around in year one and continue to is this idea of the, the goalkeeper's corner, right? You guys are always there to support each other. You guys are always there to make sure that you're at the top of your game. This year, there has been a lot more of a shared responsibility between you and James, but uh, down the stretch, you've been the guy because James has been injured. How have you guys supported each other, and how has that led to your success? Yeah, I mean, I played goalie for 12, 15 years. I, I can't do the math, but um, I've never played with a goalie who is more supportive, um, more fun to train with. And, I mean, that just – it is. I mean, it's a, it's a goalkeeper corner, and you can only play one. It's not a center back. It's not a winger. There's one of you that gets to play. Um, and <laughs> Jimmy is a great goalie, so to be uh, competing with him and – you know, it's been great. Nothing gets the crowd more excited than a PK save. Uh, when you knew that it was going to happen, what's your approach to to facing a PK, and how great did it feel to to have it saved and to keep keep City in this game? Yeah, it felt good. Um, I, I know Joe Watt. I played with um, or played against him for four years in college. He's a Scholastic guy. I was a Superior guy. Um, so I know his tendencies. Last year up in Duluth, he had a penalty. And he went to my left, and I saved it. And so I knew he remembered that. And so I just I went right before I I don't he might not have even planted, and I was moving. That's something you think about, like when when guys start when guys step up to take the PK, you think about like what have I seen before from this guy, and you've got that kind of memory. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Joe Watts a skilled player. You see him four times. You know he likes to open up his hips. That's how I saved it last year, just anticipating that. Um, and I knew he'd think I was going that way again, so I just switched it up and just trusted my gut. Amazing, man. Well, one more game left, and then undefeated is complete. Uh, how are we feeling moving into Dakota Fusion? feel good. I mean, we're starting to get some guys back from injury. We didn't pick up any knocks tonight. so Which that, is rare against Duluth. Yeah, so that – and credit to them. I mean, they actually played soccer this time around, which was I, – I talked to Corcoran after, a buddy of mine, and told him – we, we should play this way every time because this is actually It felt fun. like a great game. Yeah, yeah it, was it was super fun. Yeah, they, and I don't know if that's credit to the coach or some of the guys they brought in, but, no, we feel good. We're, we're getting guys back. We've got a week off, get a good training session in, and, yeah, keep rolling. All right, Matt Elder with the W and the PK save. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, so great to hear from Matt and uh, and great to get his, get his reward of uh, – you know, all the hard work that he's put into this team over the last three years. You know, he's always been described as a really great locker room guy, a great voice on the field. So it's nice to hear, um, nice to hear how, nice to see, first of all, that hap- it's all happening for him. And it's uh, it's good to hear that, you know, he attributes it all to this brotherhood. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to 
you have to really respect Matt because he's personally had some ups and downs with injury, you know, coming in the first year, everyone's kind of looking to Duncan Whirling as kind of the number one. And he comes in and, and beats, beats out Duncan and, and really cements himself as our, our backstop. And then this year, you know, he, he mentioned that, you know, the level of trainings has, has increased. And then you have the, the U23 goalkeepers that are kind of, kind of pushing for, for time. And, and he notes there's only one spot for a goalkeeper. So, um, you know, and, and talking about how great it is for a guy like James who, you know, came in and he was dialed in this year and, and he, he won the position and he goes down with injury and Matt continued to work hard and continue to be that locker room presence and, and steps up when, when it was needed. So, um, you know, it's just great, great to hear, you know, and, and it's, it's awesome to see, you know, a guy like him get rewarded for everything that he's put into the, the, the team and the club. And finally, it would, wouldn't also be a championship show if we didn't talk to the man who puts it all together on the field, and that is Coach Adam Pribble. Let's hear what Adam had to say. Here with Adam Pribble, coach of the NBSL North champions, Minneapolis City. Adam, coming to this game, we knew it was on the line. What were you telling the guys to make sure that they could deliver tonight and get the W? It's a really easy group to coach because um, they're, all, they're all focused. They have their heads right. So it's just kind of keeping it on course, right? Um, I, I don't have to get them motivated. They're already ready. So it's just here are the few things we need to focus on to take the team down. Uh, and they executed. So we knew if Duluth took away the win, the shoe would be on the, the, on the other foot. We would really have to work in order to, uh, in order to get the championship and hope for Med City to win. Uh, how did we prepare for Duluth? Was there anything special that we, that we changed up in order to make sure that we well, could win? Once again, that's the really great thing is if you looked at the way that we've played all year, I made a few adjustments at the beginning of the year of how we're going to play. Um, and, and really, all the other teams have to adjust to us. The only difference today was we stacked our front line with a lot of speed because I knew that their back line was slow. Mm-hmm. And you saw what it did to them. They just couldn't, couldn't keep up. Yep. So one thing that uh, has been a theme all year and that we really really saw tonight, U23 talent on display, uh, Ibsa, Josh, uh, um, you know, awesome guys that were coming out and contributing in a key game. How has the development of the U23 squad really been able to power Minneapolis City to this championship? I was talking about it with uh, my assistant, Matt Vamenskoten, and, you know, without the U23s, we're not winning the title this year. We had eight injuries to guys throughout the season. Some of them are still out. Can't wait until we have guys like Wex and McGarity back. But without these guys being able to step in and play really significant and meaningful minutes and do really, really well, uh, we just don't win. So the U23 team has been, that's what's taken us from, like, third to first. Yeah. Justin Oliver coming in, I think, first start, right? He, he was yep, subbed in start. late last game. Uh, scored two goals. What does he add to the front line, and what, what does he add to our attack? You know, it was, um, he reached out to me, and that's when Whitney went down. Um, so it was a pretty simple decision on our part. Good Ta- timing. Talented player. Um, just coming back from hell, but he gives us just that another element. He links up well. He communicates well. He's got a great soccer mind. So, um, I, you know, a lot of things are serendipitous, and it worked really well for us this year. That's for sure. Uh, goals are not complete. Next week will cement our undefeated season. What are you telling the guys to move forward with, and who can we expect to go up to Dakota? You know, it's it's 
it's hard. Next week is, is kind of a trap game, you know, because you come off an emotional win like this, you win the conference, and it's easy to let your guard down. Um, but I, I just told the guys right here, everyone's celebrating, and I'm telling them, hey, we got training this week, and we've got to prepare, we've got to bring a strong squad up to Dakota. So, All right, Adam Pribble, coach of the NPSL North champion, Minneapolis City. Thanks, dude. Thank you. All right, so I think you know, the biggest point that Adam made that – I think for me is one of the big difference makers this year over any other year is this depth on this team. Like you said, we can plug guys in anytime that are like for like, or at least, um, and that in some instances might be an improvement and we can always go to the well to the U 23 team and find up and coming kids, find kids that are hungry to perform and hungry to play and are certain, you know, at least in, in, in the situations that we put them in quite successful. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, hats off to he and the and the rest of the coaching staff. You know, they they leveled up this year not only um, with trainings and and the preparation of the players, but also the the time put in to to build a tactical plan for each game that you know each opponent that we're playing against, and really recognizing our strengths and then compounding that with attacking the weaknesses of the other teams we play against. All all fantastic stuff. So. To close out that NPSL North Conference champions, we tried to go fast on it, but you got to give it the time it needs. You got to let it you breathe. Have, you got to let it breathe. <laughs> it's like it's like a fine fine bottle of wine. You got to you got to open it up and, and really let it uh, breathe a little bit. But we do have one game left. So if you're listening to this uh, today, um, if if when it comes out or tomorrow, we have that one elusive match ahead of us to, to finish out our season. And I know it's easy to think that, you know, we're all done and dusted, but nay, nay, folks, we travel over to Fargo, um, actually Moorhead, um, to take on the Dakota Fusion Saturday at 7 p.m. Um, we'll, we'll give you some details on that soon. Um, so with one game to go, you have to look at Dakota Fusion and say, what the hell happened to these guys? I mean, just a matter of a few months ago, they were competing in the U.S. Open Cup. And for, for Christ's sakes, now they sit at sixth place. With 13 games played, they've only won four. They've, they've lost six. They've drawn three. They only have 15 points. With a, They've only scored 22 goals, which is far less than they did last year. They've given up 40 goals, which is... Uh, only 11 less than Eris, who we've seen be a you know a, a goal <laughs> goals against factory, um, and their goal differential is at minus 18. And so for context, we, we we put it into 14 games played last year where they had nine wins, so they had five more wins last year. They they had five losses, so one less, and they had zero ties. They they finished out with 27 points in second place. They had they scored 37 goals, so they're already at 15 goals less this year. They ga- they gave up 27, which is far less than the 40 they've given up this year, and they had a plus 10 goal differential. That's a pretty big swing, Nate. Um, and, and with a, a similar roster to what they had last season, you know, you have to think, maybe it's coaching, or did, did the Megabus have the AC go out? You know, what are your, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at, to me, look at that swing in goals for goals against. Like you said, 15 fewer goals scored this year, well, giving up almost as many more. Um, so the defense there is obviously an issue, and you have to think that comes from there now. Their new not so sexy three five two, um, you know, which is so hot right now, but just not working well for them. But really, their defense sucked in the Open Cup. So the real answer has to lie in this lack of offense. Last year they lost five. I mean, they weren't. 
you know, they weren't a great team, but they won nine, having never tied. I think this year, this lack of offense, not being able to not being able to put goals on the uh, on the scoreboard, has led to those drop points, led to those ties, and led to that that huge gap. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know what also compounds or adds to that is another interesting note that last year's Golden Ball winner for the nation's top player. Uh, Jade Johnson has not featured for the team home or away since a 5-0 loss to VSLT on June 20th. He played 15, or sorry, 55 minutes in a match, um, scoring a, a goal in a 5-0 win versus Aris at home, um, and then did not feature the week before that in the 1-0 loss away to Duluth. He also did feature for a full 90, scoring a goal in the Dakota Derby against uh, the uh, Sioux Falls Thunder the week before that in a three two one or th- three to two home win. So if you're doing the math, their best player has only played ninety minutes one time and just over one half of soccer since June sixth, which is over a month ago. We know last year that he had some trouble traveling to matches that were away because of his day job, but now he's missing home games, Nate. So could this be a situation where they may have just given, like he may have just kind of completely given up on the team in the season? Uh, I mean, we, we've seen it with players of the Twin Stars who don't turn up anymore after their last game versus us. And we also saw, you know, VSLT not traveling with more than 13 players and, and losing a game they needed to win. Um, you know, and some players from Duluth that have left the team, you know, are we going to get to this point, Nate, where the end of the season in our division, guys just stop turning up? I mean, in three years, two without playoffs, um, you know, we fought till the end of the season. You know, last year, for example, knocking, being the spoiler and knocking Med City out of the playoff picture, you know, I, is this a poor sign for what the club ownership are letting a, a guys get away with outside of, you know, maybe some teams like us? Yeah, I mean, their losses have not been pretty. But earlier in June, they'd really only taken their lumps from Twin Stars and from us. But, like, now they what, there's an 11-0 scoreline that Med City hung on them uh, on the NPSL <laughs> results website. And so you have to assume that everyone on this team has given up, John. That is a massive breakdown. I mean, that all the way up, that has to go all the way up to the top. Oh, absolutely. Um, but let's, let's move past that and, and talk about you know, our matchup with them. So in the last meeting, it was the Whitney Brown show yep. uh, where he scored his first hat trick with city. Um, Stigward hit a 40 yard chip over the goalkeeper. Martin scores a worldie from 20 yards out in the upper 90. And that makes uh five, nothing. If you're not counting along at home um, in that game, I feel it was a very pivotal point where, you know, you, you had one team that was exposed for really who they are. And one team that set the tone that there were, a serious team to worry about this season. And I bet you can guess which is which. Nate. Yeah. Um, so for city, it showed for a second game in a row that they could keep possession for large chunks of a match. Um, and, and in higher, more positive positions on the field. And then the goals can come from all over the place and, and not just being one dimensional, which a lot of teams in the, this division are then defensively. It, it's cemented that it'll be really hard to score on, on city and that the team that plays a long direct style really needs to switch it up. If they want any chance of winning against city. Um, it also showed that unlike last year, if, if, if we do give up goals, you better be ready to score buckets of them against us because we will outscore you. <laughs> and 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 that game against them really set the tone for a series of five plus goal games. And, and I feel it was the first full step that that City put in the ground after that Med, Med City win 
that next step against Dakota that really was like, you got to watch out for Minneapolis. Yeah, huge confidence builder for our guys and uh, definitely showed that we had our shooting boots on. And then for Dakota, I feel it was just a giant step backwards after that first game. It exposed them for having this slow back line, a goalkeeper that's prone to being drastically out of position and being caught ball watching versus organizing. And although dangerous on set pieces, they live and die by kicking the ball up top and letting Jade Johnson create for himself. The only team that, that seemed to put it all together against us, it really, I think, is Duluth, um, who, when they play each other, um, which seems to be like five times because of the Open Cup, they only really bring it against them, which I don't know why. Weird. So with all that said, John, what can we expect from Dakota? Well, Nate, honestly, I don't know. Uh, we could get a side that is completely packed it in for the, the winter uh, and given up totally, or we could get a team that wants to save some face and will toss the kitchen sink at us. I think that it could it could be a trap game for City just as easily as it could be a 5-1 win for City. Um, we have the momentum right now, and, the pri- and they have pride to save. So you could see them press to score early and often, but if, if, if history repeats itself, we've shown one thing, Nate. We murder get it um <laughs> high line of a slow defense uh, we're not talking you know we're not taking the the victory parade route uh, up to this game we we're going to send a full strength team um and you know the fullest strength that we can with some players still injured but rumor has it we uh we're going to get back a certain striker off of the uh the injured reserve who's oh, yeah. itching to get back onto the field so um don't look for city to to just go up there and, and, you know, hoisting the trophy, look for, for them to, to really throw it at them. So here are my keys to victory, which by the way, all season have been spot on. If, if you, if I don't mind saying, <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is focus and, and play our game. So we can't get caught, caught, you know, out of what we do best. And that's keeping the ball and varying up our attack and, and defending in numbers. So if things do go South on the road, we need to just quickly focus and, and regroup. The next is get a result. Many people talk about, you know, wanting us to be hashtag undefeated, but I'm, I'm less worried about being able to say that um, if, if we win. And I'm more worried about the momentum that, that going into the playoffs um, can have and, and, and what anything but a positive result could mean to that momentum. We, we also have to worry about, uh, you know, if we do get a not-so-positive result, what that means for our chances of being the top seed in the region and all of the perks that that brings us. So score goals and get a positive result. Uh, and then lastly, stay healthy. If we get ourselves into a slugfest, um, you know, it, it's time to put the block the blockers up and, and get out of town with both of our eyes open. The last thing we need to do is have, you know, wounded players – you know, coming back into what I think are the most important matches in our club history to date. So we need to be smart, avoid those heavy challenges. And and how we can do that is let the ball do its own moving instead of dribbling too much. And don't put yourself in the position to get, get fouled. But I should note that Dakota isn't one of those teams that we, that, that we've, considered to play dirty against us so I'm, I'm not saying that they're hacks and they're going to try to kick us out of the game what i'm just trying to say is that we need to be extra aware of what the gravity of putting ourselves in in not so ideal situations are and, and just get out of town with some points and, and move into the playoffs yeah absolutely so if you're making the trip up there at city at dakota fusion it's gonna be 7 p.m saturday july 7th at jim gotta stadium in moorhead minnesota tickets and streaming info can be found Online at dakotafusionfc.com. 
Now, you mentioned some of these super important games that are coming up for Minneapolis City, and let's talk about There's those, one John. Tonight. Yep, we one are tonight. we are number one, but that doesn't mean Woo. the NPSL North action is over or the NPSL action at all is over. Um, Duluth, Med City, VSLT, <clears throat> they're all playing for that second playoff spot. Right now, Duluth uh, is holding in second place at 25 points, Med City with 22 points, VSLT uh, in fourth place at with 20 points, but they've got that game that never got finished against Lacrosse Aris that they that they had to postpone while being up one nothing. So really, there are a number of scenarios that could be playing out for who gets second place in our in our division. Uh, Duluth probably the favorite. All they have to do is get a positive result in their game against Med City. VSLT needs some help. If Med City wins. Uh, and then VSLT wins out, then VSLT has uh, the better record, I think, on, on Med City and would take second place. But if Med City wins and VSLT doesn't win one of their last two games, then that's it. Med City's in second place. So there's a lot of a lot of ways that the chips could fall, but I don't really care. Uh, it doesn't really matter to us. I hope through some... I, ca- I, I care, Nate. <laughs> I hope through some miracle that VSLT can pull it off after everything they've been through this season. Um but really, a result in our division doesn't mean too much uh, for the playoffs. What we're really looking at is Minneapolis City to finish strong, because currently we are holding on to what looks like the number one seed in the Midwest Region Conference. We have the most points per game played at 2.38, uh, with Ann Arbor right behind us at 2.36. So if we can keep the points per game average Heading upwards, Ann Ann Arbor can't catch us even if they do have a win. What that means is we would have a bye. The top two teams from each um, from each division, the North Conference, the East Conference, and the Great Lakes Conference division, would make the playoffs. The top the top two teams, which would be us and Ann Arbor, get the bye. Um, so we would get that first round bye, which would be nice. We would let the people like Duluth. Erie Commodores, Cleveland FC, or Cleveland SC and Grand Rapids FC slug it out on their own, and then we would take the winners of those games. That buy would be huge because that means we don't have to travel potentially, and we probably get a chance to uh, to to host. We get the uh, the home field advantage for the playoffs, which is nice when you're playing teams from Michigan and Ohio. Yes, so. We will. We'll, we don't know what's going to shake itself out over the next few days. So we'll. Uh, what we can promise you folks is that we'll we'll drop on on air for uh, a, a playoff specific maybe mini episode so we can kind of give you a clearer picture and we can we can set the table for uh, what will be the playoffs that are just right around the corner. Absolutely. So John, we may be the center of our soccer universe, but there's a little thing called the World Cup happening right now. And as yeah, a neutral, heard of it? <laughs> as a neutral, I'm going to say this is the best World Cup I've seen out of the three that I have really watched in my life. Uh, <laughs> massive upsets, crushing disappointments, a little variety in the final 16, kind of exactly what keeps me going here. The France-Uruguay game just finished up as we were recording. Pretty uh, pretty disgusting showing from Uruguay, I, I would say. But um, for you, what is your... Obviously, we were both we'd both picked Germany to win. A lot of the teams that we had we had hoped to uh, to be in this stage of the tournament Spain. are not <laughs> Spain, Argentina. Um, what is your biggest positive surprise? Um, my biggest positive surprise, I think, would have to be the uh, the play of England. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you know them coming off of their their recent uh, 
penalty win against uh, Colombia, which penalties were their their historic bugaboo <laughs> in the World Cup. But I think um, it's been a positive surprise. It's a new look England. They play a, a different formation than they have in the past, and and they play a different style, which is less direct long ball and more building possession and and trying to get numbers and attack. And I think they've been a surprise so far. We'll see how far it can it can go. Yeah, I think mine is uh, I don't hate Brazil. I expected to kind of be rooting <laughs> against Brazil because they're they've got so many players, so many good players. Um, but really, only Neymar is bothering me. I really love how they play play soccer together. Um, I really love how they can just turn it on, and they're very executionally amazing one on one. They're very amazing. They play well as a team. Brazil's kind of exciting. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't worry about Brazil since Germany beat them seven to one. Yeah. <laughs> So, John, besides speaking of Germany, besides Germany, what is your biggest crushing upset? I think my biggest crushing upset is more of crushing disappointment. I thought the the play of Iceland coming off of the Euros was going to be something to to follow, and and I, I kind of hitched hitched my uh, my sidecar to them as far as a team that I'd like to see do well, yeah. and they they completely flamed out, and I think that was a little bit a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, they you know it's it's never a good sign when you're when the team has to have like two or three things go right for them on the last day of group play in order to in order, right. in order to advance. Um, that only right. seems I mean, to work out for Argentina. I mean, outside of, you notice I didn't mention Germany. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> just moving on, just moving on. Um, how about, right. John, do you have a player of the tournament so far? Ah, uh, that's a tough one, man. I, I'm kind of unprepared to answer that one. Why don't you go and then let me think about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, player of the tournament so far, Harry Kane obviously in the in the lead for the golden boot. Um, but I think um, Mbappe is looking really good. I think despite his bitch moves today, uh, he's looking extra dangerous. And I think he's someone to look out for as a really young, dynamic player in this World Cup as it moves forward. So basically... Um... I think my player of the tournament so far has been uh, VAR. <laughs> and, and, and although, you know, instant replay in, in soccer is intentionally slows down the, uh, the, the pace of games. And, but I think that by and large, it's been a positive contributor to the tournament because it's gotten some very questionable calls, right? That um, in, in, in a tournament that's, that has so much, on the line, it, it's really helped. Um, I do think there's some things I need to fix with it, but I think that um, so far it's been it's been pretty good. All right, and John, we both picked Germany to win it all. Uh, that is not happening. Who is your adjusted pick to win it all? Well, I think some of our uh, our friends from the PLA days are going to be happy to hear this. I think that Croatia right right now is a team that I've I've kind of stuck by. They're playing fantastic soccer, and they have um, just the players with the the way they're just playing the right way of soccer and they're playing as a unit and and you see with a team like Sweden and and Croatia the the danger they can be with being a locked in team versus a, a team with one star on it or two stars on it so you know Modric and Met, uh Met and all those guys that are hard to pronounce um they're they're playing really good soccer and I, I hope they win I'm going to go to the other side of the table, and I'm going to say uh, my new pick to win it all is going to be Brazil. Um, I think the Brazil-France matchup that's that's on the horizon, as long as Brazil beats Belgium in a few hours, is going to be delightful. And I think that all in all, this World Cup is just coming down to amazing players, amazing teams, uh, in a way that I haven't seen before. But I will say Brazil is going to win it all. 
Sorry well, to say. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Nah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, who knows? You're not maybe convinced. Bel- maybe Belgium takes it to him today. Right. Uh, and then and then then it's all I got to repick. Yep, then you got to repick. Then mm-hmm. you can just say Croatia with me. I knew it every <laughs> I knew it all the time. <laughs> so that is all for this week's show, folks. Thank you to our sponsor, as always, Summit Brewing Company. It is summer, and what better way to kick back on a porch or on a lake or at a tailgate uh, or you know on a road trip up to uh, Moorhead to play a game on Saturday uh, than with some Keller Pills. Hail in 2016 as the number two Pilsner in the world by Pace Magazine. Big accomplishment there. Uh, they probably should have named it Killer Pills. See what I did there? Yeah. Um, it's that good. So, Summit, a more meaningful brew since 1986. It's never too late to support Minneapolis City with membership. For only $65, you get a vote and a say in the direction of local soccer, uh, a pass to all remaining city matches this summer if the playoffs come our way, um, the remaining U23 matches that are going to be finishing up, and the potential of maybe some possible uh, a home friendly or two if uh, that'll kind of hinge on some things that need to happen uh, with, with league play in the playoffs, but maybe we'll sneak in another game where folks can get out. Um, plus, uh, you get a classy membership scarf, so go on over to mplscitysc.com and jump on the bandwagon right now. If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. For more information on those tax-deductible donations, head on over to mplscitysc.com. Send us some mail. It's really easy to do. Hit us up on Twitter, at The People's Pitch, or through email, mcsepodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, you can hit up the club at mplscitysc. That is finally all for this week's show, folks. We once again leave you with our house MC, Miles Stockman Willis, aka Milays, with a new track for all of you called Loco. I am John, that is Nate, and once again, congratulations to all of you for making this season a championship success. We could not have done it without you. Uh, one more to go, so get to Moorhead and support the troops uh, in their last bid to finish the season undefeated. And Nate, we can finally say to the North, MPSL <laughs> yes, North, you got it! Got a lot of the ball lately, yep. balling on them like, like a, a ball bearing. Uh-huh. Solo local pulling hair, crazy. What? Run the show like I ran errands. Soon start going ball, maybe. What? People staring with that brum wearing. Yep. Wanna make you uh, a star, baby. Chromosomes yep. to the perfect parent. She weigh more than alright. Bad bitch in her genotype. Damn right, I'm tryna pipe. Only ride if the settles right. So high that settle like Goosebumps from the linen. Goosebumps cause she's sinning. Baddie, touch her cut. That's hitting. Drop the tape like I'm finished. I should live in Finland. Couple homies speak Finnish. Pen the drug, penicillin. My pocket piss in this villain. My inner drive at the ceiling. Despicable how I'm feeling. Millions like minions. Rap star slash rap star Build a team support not far They bring the whole PR If only a sliver in my health bar Underdog the way I come back Overcast make them run laps In the club raining cats and dogs Where the fuck the umbrella's at?
shooting magic bullets, know I got the juice. Got a big head, need a wider noose. Can't feel my face, still it's kinda loose. Feel it, been the truth, not it approved. Not a chain look like glitter glue. Other chain got a darker hue. Take a cruise, tip the whole crew. Whole fridge from Whole Foods. I'm rock hard, stoned offline. First time that she rock climb. Treat me like some rock candy. Now she wants a rock Why? Well worded with a slight slang. She the same cause her tongue rang. Throw shade when she sunbathe. 50 bands with my heart hang. Just some G's and G events. She feel chillin'. We just venting. Speaking French and hailing French. She's trying to get the dream eventually. Even if it takes a century. I don't want to be a Benji. Decree to leave the gentry. People starving. Truck is Bentley. Money we greeted. And we pat down for the entry. Each assembly. What? If they don't want us, then fuck it. They're lost. Team on my back. I still carry the cross. Buy what I like. Care less about the cards. Writing with diamonds. I'm like Robert Frost. Life is a movie. The scene is just saw. You at the dentist. I'll leave you with. Uh, tell you what it is, laid on the law Flicking you up while I'm rolling the raw